Douglas Church. Again, if you're looking for a way to serve, uh, the link is a good opportunity for you to serve and, and to be able to invest in the lives of young people. So that's an opportunity for you there. And if you have your Bible, uh, please open it to Colossians chapter 3. We will be looking at verses 9 through 17. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 17. As days go by, we're going to fill our house with happiness. The moon may cry. We're going to smother the blues with tenderness. When days go by, there's room for you, room for me, for gentle hearts and opportunity. As days go by, it's the bigger love of the family. Are you familiar with those lyrics? They're from the theme song of one of my favorite childhood shows. As days go by, it's the bigger love of the family. Family matters. That's the show. And that name, well, I like the show because I identify with Steve. So, <laughs> But that name communicates a value. Family does matter. Not just on TV, not just in, in movies. Family matters in reality. It matters in the real world. And it matters to each of us on various levels, I know. But it, it still does matter to you on some level. And it even matters to God. Family matters even to God in his household, in his kingdom. And that means family should matter to his people as well. But does it? But does it? Can you say with with a believing heart as as days go by, we're going to fill our house with happiness. The moon may cry. We're going to smother the, the blues with tenderness. When days go by, there's room for you, there's room for me, for gentle hearts of opportunity. As days go by, it's the bigger love of God's diverse family. His diverse family. And that's what we're going to talk about today. God's family. And the Apostle Paul is going to show us what would take place in this family when family matters to God's people. What would take place? We would actually do life together. We will actually do life together. And believers can only do life together through their union with Christ. Please know that. That's the only way that we can really do life together is through our union with Christ. So if you have your Bible, Colossians 3, beginning in verse 9. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness and patience bearing with one bearing with one another if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other as the lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony harmony 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thanksgiving in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is God's holy word. Please pray with and for me. Everything we do, Lord, we're supposed to do it in the name of Lord Jesus. How often that is not true in our life. But I pray that it will be true. And I pray that during the preaching of your word that you will continue to minister to your people. You continue to minister to their broken places. Continue to, to minister to the places in which they live in denial about. Continue to remind them that, that you are good. That your love endures forever. No matter the circumstances. No matter the pain, the sufferings, the disappointments, the hurts. Your love for your people endures forever. Help our unbelief now. Help us to, to cling to that truth. Help us to cling to Christ more and more. And Holy Spirit, you are a helper. You are our counselor. And we need you to, to move in our hearts today that we may receive the word and let the word move in us in powerful ways so that we can go back out into the world and live and represent you one more week. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Union with Christ helps us do life together. For union with Christ, it, it does two things. Union with Christ, it, it changes the way you relate to yourself and it changes the way you relate to people. Union with Christ changes the way you relate to yourself. It changes the way you relate to other people. It changes the way you see yourself. Have you ever thought about that? It changes the way you see yourself. That you, as a believer, have been spiritually resurrected with Christ. You have spiritually died with Christ. You have eternal security with Christ. And you have a future transformation that awaits you with Christ. That that's who you are. And, and so now, in Christ, you are adopted in, into his family as sons and daughters. That means you are part of his family. His diverse family. You're part of his church. You are now citizens in his kingdom. All because of your union with Christ. You're his chosen ones. I mean, what, when, when you hear that, does it move you any type of way? That he, you are his chosen ones. His beloved. His treasured possession. That's who you are if you are a child of God, if you have faith in Jesus Christ. You are God's treasured possession. But do you see yourself that way? Is that how you relate to yourself? In Christ, you have a new self. You have a new identity.
Steve Urkel has gone, Stefan has arrived. The new identity, new self. Old has gone, new has come. Second Corinthians 5, 21 says, For in Christ, he, whoever is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. Again, do you relate to yourself that way? Is that how you see yourself? Christ has delivered you from your old self and its ways. You have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light, into Christ's kingdom. So you can take off the old self and put on the new self. Look at verse 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So what what does that mean, Pastor? It means you don't have to wear the clothes of the old self anymore. You do not have to wear those clothes. You can take them off. Lying to one another, that's clothes of the old self. That's old self clothes. Living in, in anger, wrath, and malice, and slander, obscene talk, clothes of the old self. Your old identity. Sexual immorality, impurity, self-centered passions, evil desires, covetedness, all those things are part of the old self, your old identity. You know what else is part of our old self? Racism, discrimination, injustice, indifference, white supremacy, black and brown supremacy, nationality supremacy, class supremacy, Charlottesville, old self. Old self. And Christ has set his people free from the old self and its ways. And we no longer have to live in these things. And as believers, what does that mean? It means don't use your freedom. Don't use the freedom Christ has given you to enslave yourself to the very things he delivered you from. That's what that means. You don't use that freedom to go back to what Christ delivered you. Like a dog returning to his vomit is a man who repeats his folly. So if you're living in your old self, it means you like eating throw up. If you're living in your old ways, you're eating vomit as a believer. That's what you're eating. So how does it taste? You can put salt in it. You can put sugar in it. You can put honey in it. But at the end of the day, it's still vomit. It doesn't change the fact that what it is. It's still vomit. So who are you? You have a new identity as a believer. You have a new self. And you don't have to wear those clothes or the old self anymore. You are God's chosen ones. The holy ones. Beloved ones. A people of his own possession. Do you relate to yourself that way? as a child of God. Is that how you see yourself? Every believer in the world has this new self and this new identity in Christ. And we must live and function and operate in this new self. You must work in this new self. You must play in this new self. You must fight in this new self. You must advocate in this new self. 
And we must function within the family in that new self. We do life together in the new self, not the old self. We do life together in our new identity. You see, union with Christ impacts the way you relate to yourself and other people because it has changed the way God relates to you. Think about that. How does the Father now relate to you? He relates to you differently. You are a son or you are a daughter. You are a child. You are his beloved. That's, who, that's how he relates to you. And that, that means you should relate to yourself that way, and that is how you should also relate to other people and other Christians in particular. Because union with Christ changes the way you relate to other people, especially those within the household of faith. Galatians 6.10. So then as you have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially of those who are of the household of faith. The new self, when you're living in the new self, it helps you do this. It changes the way you relate to other people. It helps you relate to them as equals. It helps you relate to other believers as equals. We do life together in this family as equals. We are equals. And living in the new self, it helps you accept that the new self and the new identity of other people in Christ is equal to yours. You ain't more equal in Christ than they are. You are the same. That's what verse 11 means. Paul says, here. What does that mean, Pastor? Here in the new self. Here in your new identity, there is no Greek and Jew. No circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, skidian, slave, or free. But in Christ all, in Christ is all, and in all. What Paul is saying there that the identity of believer A is not superior to the identity of believer B. The new self or believer A isn't less than the new self or believer B. We're all equal in the eyes of God. We are all equally in union with Christ. And so living in the new self means you accept that equal status of all believers. You see them the way God sees them. And so that means in this family, in God's diverse family, there is no place for haves and have-nots. There is no place for superiority, for favoritism, for discrimination, for uh, uh, us versus them, or our caste system. We all are equal. And value, self-worth, and dignity. The new self helps you relate to other believers that way. And I believe it helps you relate to other people that way. It helps you see that all people are created in the image of God. Equally image bearers of God. Even a person you don't like. And I knew you got people you don't like. And you still create an image of God. Just like you. And the new self helps you treat them that way. The new self also changes the way we relate to our differences. It changes the way we relate to our differences. Because, see, in Christ, we don't lose our ethnic and cultural identity. I've been a believer since 96, and I have not stopped being a black man. 
I look in the mirror every day, and I'm still black. But what it does is that it brings all those things in its proper place. It puts them in their proper place. It puts them beneath Christ so they can be redeemed by Christ. That's what it does. It puts them beneath Christ so that he can bring redemption to them, to our ethnic and cultural differences. So in Christ, our differences are no longer grounds for separation and and, and division. In Christ, they become a reflection of the beautiful diversity of God's family and their unity. And that diversity must be acknowledged and it must be celebrated. That means none of us should ever be colorblind is what that means. Because that denies the image of God in people. In Christ, people who otherwise wouldn't have anything to do with each other are now family. I shared this story with you a while back when I was in college. Um, my, my mentor, Toby Wilder, and my good friend, um, Buddy Blunt, and my brother-in-law, Brian Reed, we all took this journey to Covenant Seminary in St. Louis. And so as, as we're going up, and I'm also my friend Trey. And so we were going to St. Louis, and they were listening to Johnny Cash. I had no idea who Johnny Cash was. <laughs> and I told them, I said, if it wasn't for Jesus, we would not be friends. Because <laughs> that's, that's totally different world than I was used to. If it, and that's true. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would not have anything to do with each other. Because we're from two different worlds, two different cultures, two different experiences. And the music I like, I don't like that music. But because they're my friends, I took part in it. Because of Christ, I took part in it. In Christ, people who otherwise won't have anything to do with each other are now brothers and sisters. Or are now family. Do you see others that way? You must put on the new self in order to relate to one another that way. If we don't put on the new self, that means we're going to operate out of the old self. And the old self always divides. It destroys families. Think about your immediate family. And, and if your family lived in anger, malice and wrath and slandering one another. How, how, how long are y'all going to stay together if that's how you deal with each other? You ain't going to be together very long. So why would you think that can coexist in God's family? The old self in its ways, it destroys unity. It, 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 it breaks things down. It does not build up. The old self in its ways is always self-seeking and self-centered. It does not consider others. It uses and abuses. But the new self, it always seeks to persevere in unity in the midst of diversity. You see, in the new self, every believer is equally being renewed in the image after its creator. And every believer, that new self and all of us are equally being renewed after the image of its creator. So that means it's not being renewed after the image of my culture or my race or my politics or my social class, my nationality or my gender. 
All of our entitlements and privileges take a back seat here. It's being renewed after the image of Jesus Christ alone. It's becoming more and more like him. That's what it means. That's what it means. It's becoming more and more like Christ to think like Jesus, to believe like Jesus, to value what he values, to love what he loves, to love who he loves, and to love how he loves and live like he lives. I guess I need my amens now. I thought I had y'all trained right now, so I just have it right now. I'm just going to put it right here next Sunday. Oh, I didn't drop. That's what I get for being bad. Okay. Amen. <laughs> everything, every, everything you are as a believer will always be wrapped up in who Jesus is. Period. Period. And that's true for all believers. We have this equal status before God, and we must embrace it. We must embrace it together. If family matters to you, if this family matters to you, you will see each other as equal. If this family matters to you, you relate to our differences as a reflection of God's diversity. That's how you relate to one another. If this family matters to you, you won't break fellowship with each other when conflict comes. Because conflict does come. All families have issues. And when you forget that, that's a what? Issue indeed. All families have conflict, and every family has a way of dealing with that conflict. Think about, your, think about your family you grew up in. How do y'all deal with conflict growing up, growing up? How do y'all deal with it? Was it healthy or was it unhealthy? Church families are the same way. Some, people, some families live in denial. Some families shame. Some families have black sheep kids that they don't have anything to do with and they disown them. There's anger. There's competitiveness. There's envy. There's slander. And these family issues and conflicts can be painful. They can be hurtful. They can lead to tears. But it's all but they're unavoidable. Conflict is unavoidable. In your family origins, in your immediate family, even within God's family, is unavoidable. Let's not un- let's not over spiritualize life. Conflict comes. It will come. And it will be hurtful. It can be painful. Why? Because the old self and its ways still lives in us. That's what Paul, he, he tells the Colossians, he says, you must put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And so that means just because you're a believer, it doesn't mean you don't sin anymore. It doesn't mean you no longer struggle anymore. And Paul isn't talking to pagans here. Not talking to unbelievers here. He's talking to the church. He's saying these things are in you, holy of holies, self-righteous people. It's in you. They're in your heart. Not talking about the pagans, not talking about the unbelievers. I'm talking to you who claim to know Jesus. These are your sins. These things are in your heart. You deal with them. The old self in its ways is a residue that still covers your heart. And you will struggle with the old self all the days of your life. You will struggle with lying to one another. Have you ever lied to a brother or sister? 
kids, have you ever lied to your parents? Yeah, you lied. Have you ever tried to sneak and get over on them? Yeah, you have. Husbands, have you lied to your wives or did told half-truths? Yes, you have. You struggle with it. You will, but you don't have to live in it. You struggle with a repentant heart, not an unrepentant heart. So you will struggle with anger. You will struggle with wrath. You will struggle with malice and slander and obscene talk. For some, sexual immorality, impurity, evil passions, covetedness. Others will struggle with injustice, racism, self-righteousness, indifference. Let's not think none of these, we are beyond these sin struggles. You just got to be put in a certain situation that stuff comes out. What has Charlottesville revealed about your heart? What was your first response? Not what came days later, but your first response. What has it showed you? Who are you now in conflict with because you strongly disagree about what happened? Who have you slandered on social media? Or are you just simply indifferent? You don't have to live in the ways of the old self. You don't. Do you, I mean, do you really believe that? As a son of God, as a daughter of God, you do not have to live in the old ways of the old self. You don't have to live there. Because I can preach it. I can run around this pulpit. I can turn cartwheels and hope I won't pull a hamstring. But do you believe it? Because if you don't believe it, it does nothing for your life. At all. You must believe this stuff. You came, you are called to live in the new self. It helps you relate to our conflicts differently. Because the new self has new clothes, new virtues, new qualities. Qualities and clothes that won't ever fade, can't be outgrown, won't be torn up. Verse 12. Put then on as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. The new self wears a compassionate heart. A compassionate heart. A heartfelt concern for other people and what they go through. That means you give mercy to others. But pastor, some people don't deserve mercy. You didn't deserve it either, but God gave it to you. It ain't ever about what you think people deserve. Remember how God relates to you. Remember how he relates to you. Does he relate to you that way? Does he relate to you that way? God is our standard, not the world. How he relates to us should also overflow how we relate to others. So mercy is, 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 giving, is, 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 is being, having something real and intangible. Practical ways in which you show people mercy. It could be being, being a shoulder for someone to cry on. It could be bringing a meal. It could be paying a bill. It could be standing with someone in a protest line for injustice. It could be mentorship. How do you show mercy to other people who don't deserve it? Do you have empathy? Charlottesville, do you have empathy? Or was it judgment? Empathy or was it judgment? When you saw that. Self-righteousness? Or did you say, man, God's kingdom need to come in? 
I won't charge you for this, but I'll go ahead and say it anyway. What you saw there was a reflection of the church's failure, not America's failure. Because if you take the gospel to white supremacy, people won't be marching in it. It's our fault. Because the church does not live out the Great Commission like we're supposed to. We let other things take, we let other things grab hold of people's pain. When we have the answer to pain and suffering, but yet we watch it on TV and we shake our heads, but yet we won't go down there and bring them Christ. Here's your answer. Jesus. It's our fault. Be mad about that. Second, the new self wears compassion. It wears kindness. That means to be generous. Helpful to those in need. Mindful of the ways we treat each other. Understanding and view and seeing, having a, being able to look at their experience and, 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 and life through their eyes with, with kindness. With kindness. The new self wears humility. And what is humility? Tim Keller says humility is thinking about yourself less. Not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Not thinking too highly of yourself. Fourth, the new self wears meekness. That means gentleness. And then it wears patience. That means there's steadfast. you have steadfastness in the way you deal with other people. That means you don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Why shouldn't I give up? Because God does not give up on you. He does not give up on you. Even in your sin struggles, he does not give up on you. And so you should not give up on other people, particularly those within the family. No matter how far they wander to the far country, don't give up on them. Pursue them in love. Wearing these clothes, it helps us deal with conflict in a new way. And that new way is forbearance and forgiveness. Forbearance and forgiveness. It's a new way we deal with conflict. And you only can do that when you're living out of the new self. Verse 13. Bearing with one another, if one has to complain against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive one another. All families have issues. In your immediate family, you were sinning against each other. In the church family, you were sinning against each other. There would be hurt feelings, gossip, slander, anger. Those things happen in the church. Don't think too highly of the village church, okay? Because we all have struggles. And what are you going to do when it happens? What are you going to do when it happens when I sin against you? What am I going to do when you sin against me? We must have forbearance. That means we have to bear with one another in our struggles, in our burdens, in our shortcomings. We must exercise self-restraint and control. Forbearance within God's family means we walk with each other in the spirit of mutual brokenness. That's what that means here at the Village Church. That's how we deal with each other in our issues. We come with a spirit of mutual brokenness because we realize I don't have it together and you don't have it together. That's the one thing we know is true. And once we come, when we deal with each other that way, we can work through conflict. We can have hard conversations. When that is on the when that is the on the table, that we all got issues here, but we can get through it together. So we bear with one another. 
do you bear with other believers? Do we bear with those who, who don't quite get racism? Don't quite understand it. Do you bear with them? Do you bear with those whose politics are different than yours? I know I'm, I'm, I'm stepping on some toes, but there's no use in me preaching the word if I ain't going to step on toes. Some of them I step on my own toes. I have to write the sermons. But man, what it does to my heart each week, a lot of repentance is what it does each week. A lot of repentance is what it does. You don't give up with your own each other. You pursue one another. Next, there's forgiveness. The new self. When you live it in the new self, you will strive to forgive others because God has forgiven you. Because God has forgiven you. And forgiveness isn't easy. I know we think, we say, well, just forgive. Forgiveness is not easy. It is hard to forgive. Some things are a lot easier to forgive than others. And we don't have to over-spiritualize it here. The principle here is that we should all strive to be on the journey towards forgiveness. Praying that the Holy Spirit will bring us there. Because it is a heart issue. And so that's the thing you should pray for. Help me to forgive, Father. Help me to forgive those that it's hard for me to forgive. If family matters to you, then you will bear with one another. If family matters to you, then you will strive to forgive one another. Many kids, you know, like arts and crafts. And arts and crafts, that, that gives kids a chance to be creative. They can display their creativeness, creativeness and giftedness. And, and arts and crafts, if you, are, if you like arts and crafts, you know, there's lots of tools you need to, 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 for arts and crafts. You need scissors, construction paper, markers, you need some paints and some brushes, but you also need glue. And what I like about the glue is that the glue binds things together. It holds them together. Glue even puts broken things back together. And within, and in the new self, with all its qualities and all of its clothes, it has a particular type of glue that binds them all together. And that glue is love. That glue is love. Verse 14. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so, do you love people in word and deed? Do you love people who are different than you? Do you love your enemies? If you're not loving them, then you're not living in the new self. You're not living in a new self. If family matters to you, then you will love God's people. First Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. My mother-in-law has a cousin named Johnny Ruth who lives in Columbus, Georgia. Her husband, Freddie, he, he died. Went to be, he, went, he recently died went to be with Jesus. But Freddie had, his best friend was white. And him and his friend and his wife always come over. But Johnny Ruth, she would she would always leave the room when they came over. She didn't like them. So she never participated in the, in the discussions whenever she, they came over to hang out with Freddie. But they kept coming over, kept spending time um, with Freddie at the house, but she never participated with them at all. She didn't like them at all. But when Freddie died, his best friend and his wife continued to come over and hang out with Johnny Ruth. They were always calling, check in on them. These are people that she didn't like. 
but they didn't stop them from loving her. So they pursued her. And recently, when my mother-in-law talked with her, it might have been, was it last year sometime? Last year sometime. She kept, she kept going on and on about this couple. Couldn't get enough of them. So-and-so this, so-and-so that. My mother-in-law said, what happened? Love wore me down. Love wore me down. Love covers a multitude of sins. Do you have what it takes to wear people down with love? It's easy to wear them down with hate. It's hard to wear them down with love. But if you're operating in the new self, if you want to live in the new self, wear me down with your love. And I'll wear you down with my love. Because love does cover a multitude of sins. It is the glue that brings all these little qualities together. Finally, those who are operating in the new self The new self helps us keep Jesus at the center. The new self helps us keep Jesus at the center. And that's very important because no one else can be at the center. No one else can be at the center. Tradition can't be at the center. Heritage can't be at the center. Status can't be at the center. A name can't be at the center. A flag can't be at the center. Jesus is at the center. Our culture Politics, our causes, our race, none of those things can be at the center of this family. That's an amen statement. Jesus at the center. And our church logo, I don't know if you can turn the slide for me, Travis. That logo is by intent. Well, yes, they picked that up because it looks good. It communicates something. It communicates something. All these little broken pieces, that's you. That's me. All those different colors, it represents what we're trying to be in this church. Cross-cultural, multi-ethnic. But what's at the center of all that brokenness? The cross is at the center of all the brokenness. And if you take the cross out of the center, then you're going to have a whole lot of junk, a whole lot of arguments, a whole lot of breaking of fellowship. But if the cross stays at the center of the family, if Jesus stays at the center of the family, then we can get through whatever we need to get through. Because we have not lost sight of the glue that binds people together in Christ, and that is Jesus alone. There will always be Jesus alone. And we can never lose sight of that. If you don't remember anything else from this sermon, I do want you to remember this. Jesus is at the center of your life, the center of his family. And when he is at the center of his family. When he's at the center of your life, two things will take place. First, the peace of Christ will rule in your heart. The peace of Christ will rule in your heart. You will submit to the peace of Christ. So what is the peace of Christ, Pastor? The peace of Christ, first, is that believers have peace with God. You have peace with God. You have been reconciled to God in Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord, Jesus Christ. And that's another amen statement. Thank you, church. Colossians 1.20 says, Through him he reconciled to himself all things, whether on heaven or earth, by making peace by the blood of his cross. Peace with God. 
Next, you have peace with yourself. Have you ever thought about that? That the peace of Christ means you have peace with yourself. Peace within. That you have rest. You can have contentment. You can have comfort. You can have security. Christ says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither be afraid. Because Christ is with you. He is Emmanuel with you. I've said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world you may have tribulations. But take heart. Why? I have overcome the world. Peace within. So it means you can look at the sufferings and persecutions of life and still have peace. Because of Christ in you. Your marriage can be hard and struggling, but you can have peace within because of Christ. You can have issues with your kids, but you can still press on and have hope because you have peace with Christ. Because of his peace in your life. Next, peace of Christ means you have peace with other believers. You have peace with other believers. You have peace within God's family. That means reconciliation becomes the main objective within this family when we are at odds with each other. Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. The reason why Sundays is the most segregated hour of the week is why we don't believe that verse. That's why. Verse 15 and Colossians here in chapter 3 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts because you were called to in one body. You have peace with one another. And Ephesians 4, 3 and 6 says, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. In a bond of peace. Peace of Christ. You have peace with God. You have peace with self. You have peace with other believers. I was at a men's conference yesterday, and one of the speakers said, there's a difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. And he said, a peacekeeper is all about self-preservation. A peacemaker is all about reconciliation. Which are you? Peacekeeper, peacemaker. If family matters to you, if God's family matters to you, then you will strive to be a peacemaker within this family when conflict arises. Second, we submit to the word of Christ. That means God's word becomes the center of, our, of this family. It is the constitution of this family, of this kingdom. It is the rule of life for your life. It is the standard by which you make all your decisions. It's the word of God. And that word of God must dwell in you richly. So that means you must spend time in it. That means Listen to one sermon to not be what you use. That should not be the only time you're in the Word this week. That's not enough. You need to be in this Word daily. Hiding in your heart. Communing with it, with God in prayer. It must dwell in you richly. Because if this isn't shaping you, something's shaping you. Because, listen, we are codependent people. God is the only one that's self-sustaining. We're not. So what is dwelling in you richly? Who is your cultural prophets that, you, that are speaking to your life? Who are your political prophets 
that speak into your life? Who are your family prophets that speak into your life? Who are your economic prophets that speak into your life? And are you fifth in those through the word of God? If you're not, you're setting yourself up. Everything you hear and everything I'm saying, you should filter through this. Because this has to finally say so. That's what it means to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You don't set the Bible on the bookshelf. You carry it in your heart everywhere you go. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I love that. You want to discern the thoughts and intentions of your heart? Open up the word. If you don't ever want to be convicted, close it. If you ever don't want God, if you don't want Christ to speak into your life, put it on the bookshelf. But if you want God to speak to you, and if you want to operate in the new self, then this is your operational manual. This is your operational manual. And you need to read it. I need to read it. Daily. All scriptures God breathed. All scriptures breathe out from God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God and woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? When the word of God is dwelling in you richly, you will use it. That word, we will use that word to disciple each other. That's what he, Paul says here in verse 16. Yeah, my. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgivingness, thankfulness in our hearts. The word of God helps us to do that. So when, so when you come in at me, come with me with the word. I come with you with the word to build you up. That's how we have to love one another. Walk with one another. And when we do this, living in the new self, it's basically us trying to do everything that we do in the name of Christ. That's what it's all about. Can you love your family in the name of Christ? Can you love your neighbor in the name of Christ? Can you deal with people who think differently than you in the name of Christ. No, we can't expect people who don't know Jesus to behave like they do. We are the chosen ones. We are the beloved. We are his treasure possession. And he uses us to show people a different way of life. But if we ain't living it out, we can't expect pagans to. We have to be the change we want to see. Let's take a quote from Gandhi. You want a country united? Then Christians need to be united. If it ain't happening here, why would you expect it to happen with unbelievers who don't have the gospel? Let us model as a church the reconciliation, the unity that we want to see happen in our broken world. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that in Christ, Lord, that we have peace, peace with you, peace within, and peace 
with one another. That's the power of the cross. It's the power of your blood. And so I pray that as we leave this building today, that your spirit will help us to function that way within this church family, within our immediate family, and our extended family, and with coworkers and neighbors as well, that you will build us up to be peacemakers, your ambassadors, the ministry of reconciliation, that you will help us to do that, help us to walk that way. And so I pray that you empower us. I pray that you will strengthen us. I pray that you remind us that you are good and you are faithful. And I pray for this in your son's wonderful name. Amen.